0: Podcast The Bloody Vegans, you're very welcome to it. Each week I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things vegan. And this week is no different. This week I chatted with returning guest Tony Okamoto, the founder of Plant Based on a Budget. Um, We chatted about her. A brand new book, Plant Based on a Budget Quick and Easy, which comes out on the 7th of March, so if you are listening to this on release day uh, March the 6th Um, ...it'll be out tomorrow. How exciting. Uh, Do pick up a copy. I've been lucky enough to have a look at one... ...and it is fantastic. Full of awesome stuff. Um, Tony is a real go-to when it comes to thinking about how to eat uh, vegan... ...how to eat uh, healthy, how to have fun when cooking... ...how to make food that's super nice, comfort food, food for the family... ...the whole works, but do it all on uh, a budget... Which, um, let's face it, is has um, never been more pertinent, uh, certainly in the UK, probably around the world, than it uh, than it is right now. So there you go, well worth checking out Tony's new book. So, uh, without further ado, here is a conversation between me and Tony Okamoto. <laughs> So Tony, it's, it's great to have you back. Thank you so much for joining me. It's, on, it's, it's late there and early here, but it's, it's, it's awesome to have you on the, on the show and returning guest, of course. Um, and I know folks who've listened uh, to the show way back, which we were just chatting before, is almost three years ago now, which is crazy, so we're in 2023, um, but, but it would be good to, to get started with uh, your journey into the world of veganism. I know some folks who've heard the first episode may have heard this before, but it, it would be good to refresh those who perhaps haven't.
1: Uh, well, thank you first of all for having me back on the show, and I am going to drop some new knowledge that I didn't share on the on the show. I'm going to take you back a little bit further okay. uh, into my childhood. So, I actually was raised by my grandparents in the first part of my life. My dad was a teenager and went over to the the Navy and was gone full time. And so I lived with my grandparents and they were retired and my grandpa grew a lot of the food that we ate and my grandma cooked it. So that first most formative years of my life, I had access to really tasty nutritious food. But when my dad came back, we started living the bachelor life. He was really young, it was just the two of us. And then my brother uh, was born, uh, but he's nine years younger. And we were eating things like chili from a can and hot dogs oh, yeah. or a hamburger helper or box mac and cheese. And it was food that a dad who was very busy working full time mm. with two children was able to feed his kids. So uh, that's how I started learning it in my adult life or in my um early teenage years and later teenage years of what was normal to eat. And I did mention this in the last episode, but uh, it was really around the time I was in high school that I was learning more about how the food I ate impacted me more than taste, more than sustenance, uh, and how it made me feel. And that was because my coach told me to chill out on the red meat (laughs) and on the fast food. And I really began to feel better and move toward a vegetarian diet. It was really tough on my family. They love their meat and also culturally, uh, they're Mexican. And it's a way of expressing affection and care and celebration. And so that was an obstacle to face, but it has all worked out. I have found my people. I've been supported. I I moved toward veganism when I was 20, uh, in a veg club. I, 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 think community is so extremely important in moving the needle or it was for me. And, uh, from there, it's just been a real, Wonderful experience exploring new international cuisines and flavors and different types of foods, and it has been the total opposite of restrictive.
0: That's awesome. That is, it makes so much sense when you, you go back. Like, uh, it, instant, it instantly made me think of this new book because, you know, obviously it, it's all about things being quick and easy and convenient, and it just made me think. When you look back, there's almost like it's almost biographical in a way. It's like looking right back to those days when you were living with your dad, and you were kind of probably thinking about the the days before that, and the the, the plant based foods that you were eating then, kind of naturally that were grown, and like, how do I, you know, can I then make this more convenient for people mm-hmm. who were perhaps in my dad's situation mm-hmm. way back? Do, do you think that was kind of almost deliberate or do you think that's kind of a subconscious thing?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. My family is a primary motivator of plant-based on a budget. They had been from the very beginning and they always are in the back of my mind. They are the type of people I want to inspire. They have... Um, a lot of concerns about the accessibility and affordability. And I always take their comments and try to figure out those challenges so that other people who may be facing similar challenges or have similar concerns aren't worried about those because I've already laid out the information for them.
0: And I love that this has been your sort of mission for, for so long, the plant based on a budget. bit. And it... And it- Something really sort of has resonated with me recently. That's that's been out in the in the in the world, and I, and I really wanted to kind of respond to it. And I was kind of pleased that uh, I was having this conversation with you now. Because it's come at the perfect time. So I don't know if you're aware, in the UK, there's a podcast called Diary of a CEO. And it's uh, by a guy called Steve Bartlett, who's like on Dragon's Den, which is our shark tank, right? Um, if If you've seen that. So he's kind of an entrepreneur and he has this show and it's become hugely popular. It's like number one in all the UK podcast charts. Absolutely massive. And he had this guy on who... Uh, And this this quote, this this uh, clip of this podcast that he did with this guy has has gone everywhere. And he's basically saying, veganism is a luxury of the wealthy. Mm. Like you can only do it if you are affluent and you live in the West. And there's no there's no way of doing it outside. And and I wanted like it just feels like you're the perfect person to sort of articulate. Uh, an argument against that, um, better than me. So I, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Kind of like you know, looking back at what you what you've what you've experienced and what you know now. You know, if you were in that position, you were in that sort of round table with that with that particular comment. You know, what, what's your what's your view on that?
1: I would speak from firsthand experience. I have lived under the poverty line for most of my adult life. I would say it wasn't until about 2019 when I got married and lived in a dual income household and didn't have children that my life really changed. But before then I was making, um, I would say my first Serious job. I made twenty eight thousand dollars a year, which is not a lot here. Mm-hmm. I live in California. It's one of the most expensive places to live in our country, the United States. Uh, and then I made, uh, I got a raise at a different job, and I made thirty four thousand dollars. So. Mm-hmm. That is not a lot of money and I was able to thrive on a plant-based diet. I learned how to meal plan. I learned where to grocery shop. I learned how to be thoughtful about my food purchases and it does require some planning, but I have spent now 11 years of my life helping millions of people who are financially challenged learn how to make it a priority and to find a place within their budget to make it work for them and their families. So I'm happy to share more details on the tips and tricks, but uh, to that person, I, uh, I I am the testament that it can be done
0: yeah absolutely absolutely like going right to the, the sort of start of it and I appreciate this is kind of this is the foundation of like all of your work like you say for eleven years and really crystallized in in sort of um, a concentrated form in this in this new book I think like this amazing kind of not only are you thinking about the budget but you're also thinking about the time constraints that people have I think that's so important what what's the kind of the the foundational blocks that you'd suggest for somebody who is on a, on a budget starting out we're in a cost of living crisis over here in the UK and they're, they're like okay where on earth do I start everything I hear about veganism online is you know um Himalayan salt and ingredients that I just uh, I haven't heard of they seem expensive like where where would they start
1: the first place to start is in the mindset shift uh Two places. One, let's talk about what eating plant based is and what it can be. I hear so often that people get a, a really worked up with thinking that they're going to have to change the entire way that they eat, like replace all of the food in their pantries. And really, that's not the case. A lot of what I eat is pasta and vegetables and sauce. Uh, Burritos with rice and beans and salsa and tortilla. Like these are foods that people love and enjoy already. And you can still eat those foods and make simple swaps instead of ground beef. I use a lot of lentils or beans or tofu and especially when you're cooking with beans and lentils, it is very affordable. Beans in particular are one of my favorite, favorite ingredients. You can buy them here by the pound. Uh, you can purchase them in bulk and it's about a fifty. and they expand by three times. So if you're cooking one cup of dried beans, it's going to make three times that amount and it really stretches for your family's meals throughout the week when you're cooking uh, from those whole foods ingredients. And then the other mindset shift is getting in the place where you're okay saving money. It can be a challenge to put your mind in a meal plan to assess which groceries that you have to set aside the time to prioritize this and also to... Be confident enough in your choices of saving money to be at the grocery store and put something back or have the cashier double check the sale price or something like Mm. that. That can feel embarrassing and burdensome and just an annoyance. So to give yourself the permission to understand that that's okay and you're doing what is right for you and your family long-term and um, looking forward to either saving money for a trip or financial freedom or whatever it is it that is driving you to save more money, just being okay with that. And that's the first place I start. Then next, the meal plan. That is my primary focus. It has been meal planning. And I show people how you can, really, really, really stay focused at the grocery store because once you're there and you have no plan, there are so many beautiful colors and distractions and big sales signs that are driving you to buy and purchase impulsively. And we wanna avoid that. And also when you're not prepared, especially if you work somewhere where you have a commute, like I know that I had a one and a half hour commute each way and I didn't have anything at home when I got there, I would make a stop at Chipotle or a drive-through or a subway or something like that for something quick and easy if I didn't have that quick and easy thing at home already. So being thoughtful is um, essential and creating a meal plan is essential when you want to save money.
0: That's awesome advice. I, I love that. And the, the idea of, um, you know, just preparedness, I guess, is the thing that sort of jumps out for me. Like th- really thinking consciously about this stuff. If you kind of drift through your week, and I've done that, I do, well, I probably still do this sometimes, <laughs> like unfortunately. But if you kind of drift through, you're busy and busy and tired, uh, often are the, the the recipe for going down the wrong path <laughs> nutritionally, cost wise, the whole work. So yeah, I'm totally with you. Thinking about um, the time aspect because obviously that's I think that's great advice for like the, the foundational blocks of saving money, whether it be beans at a dollar fifty or like the preparedness piece we just talked about. But when you when you're thinking like Time and time is such a, like a precious commodity to us now. I guess the next big thing that people would say if they if they're kind of not in the know, not well versed with your your work, is well there isn't time. Like if you're busy, if you're a busy person, you're a busy dad, you're a busy mum, you know. There isn't time to be to be vegan. It's it's so much easier to put meat at the centre of the plate and then a couple of couple of boiled vegetables and you're there. That's a meal. So like, how how would you sort of combat that that kind of notion that time is just not is not there to be vegan?
1: Well, meat needs to be cooked. That's that's just <laughs> the truth. And so you can you can cook. Um, tofu in the same amount of time as you're cooking meat, probably less. And also without concern that if you don't cook it as thoroughly, you're not going to get sick. (laughs) So uh, there's that. But again, it doesn't have to be so complicated. You can be throwing together very quick, fast meals. And I'll give you some examples. One of my favorite things to eat right now is a hummus pizza. I eat a whole pizza by myself. I'll uh, do a store-bought crust, but you can also make your own. And that's another thing that you're going to have to figure out is where you can make compromises on time and money saving. So if you have a little bit of spending money, what are the things that you're going to do that will save you a lot more time. So maybe you don't want to cook your beans on the stove and you wanna buy a couple cans of beans instead because you don't have the time to watch the stove for two hours. It it can be cheaper, but um, maybe you just don't have that time. So uh, I will buy a store-bought crust and I will spread hummus on it, put a lot of vegetables loaded up with fresh vegetables, cucumbers, olives, tomatoes, whatever's on sale at the grocery store will be on that pizza. And then for protein, you can put different types of beans or you can do tofu or tempeh and it will be delicious and very filling and nutritious. So that takes me about five minutes total time and is filling and a great meal. Uh, That's just one option, but there are so many quick and easy meals in the Plant Based on a Budget Quick and Easy Cookbook to rely rely on in those times. And also, I wanted to mention that there are so many different types of ways to meal prep. So I think people have uh, in their head that it requires a lot of effort to do meal prep, you go online and you see all these people lining up bento boxes that are all artfully designed. That's not the only way to meal prep. There are lots. There are freezer friendly uh, options where you can um, double or triple the batch of food that you're cooking and freeze the rest of it so that your family can enjoy it at at a later time. You can do one big batch of something and eat that throughout the week. And there are some tips I have so that you don't get really tired of it. But uh, there are, um, there's a way that I prefer to eat, which is mix and match bowls where I I make a grain and um, maybe with that grain, we'll say brown rice, I'll put together some Um, burrito bowls or wraps or stir fries throughout the week because I have one thing prepared and you can use things like frozen vegetables that are already washed and chopped for you so that you're taking away that labor after a long day of work. All you're doing is dumping things in the pan, letting it saute for five minutes and you're good to go.
0: I love that. Love that idea of the mix and match bowl. And I think like that sort of strikes me in the book as well. You've got mix and match bowls, one pot casseroles, one pot meals, sorry. There's this kind of it, it, again really focused on like the methodology is is convenient. The flavors there, the, the but the, but there's also this kind of like, you know, if if I want something super easy to make, it's it's the one pot it's the mix and match like it, it, it you know was was that kind of idea of I mean obviously it's in the title but you know we've talked about time but the ease of things is is almost like as, equally as important like for you like how difficult was it to make recipes that packed all the punch and the flavor and all the stuff that you wanted to to deliver and that you become known for but make it super easy for people
1: It was really important. And a big difference between this book and my other book that's called Plant Based on a Budget, that's all, uh, is when I wrote that book, I had very, very little money. I was in a lot of debt and I was trying to make my way out of it, and I had more time. And so that book shows you how to cook everything from scratch. And now I am in a different place in life. I'm now married. We have a dog. I have a business. And my life just looks so different, and I wish I had more time every day. (laughs) Um, And so... Right now, cooking is a means to an end for me to enjoy the meal that I mm. that I cooked. I don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I would rather spend the time walking my dog, hanging out with my husband, in the garden, doing a million other things. And uh, and I wanted to share for anyone else who feels similarly the recipes that I'm currently making while I'm in the kitchen. I want to maximize the efficiency so that i'm in and out and that i'm not sacrificing taste or nourishment and also that i'm still enjoying the food that i'm making
0: yeah 100% i love that the efficiency being the key like yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to be in this kitchen any longer than i need to be mm-hmm. but i want it to deliver all the things that i want it to deliver and it, like the book certainly like certainly does that 100%
1: a lot of people have the misconception that I love cooking so much. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, is that I'm like everybody else. And I like to eat the food and I like to share the food with my friends and family. But it's the cooking part that um, I'm not so keen on.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. It's, so, it's totally a means to an end. Like like you said, I love the eating and I love the sharing, but the... Uh, the cooking side, like I'll take, if somebody can, like like you have, if someone can give me a kind of a, a shortcut to it, like a hack to get there, um, 100% I'm taking it, <laughs> no doubt. Um, like, the, the, the thing that really kind of, uh, another thing that really sort of jumped out for me, I've got a fussy vegan four-year-old. <laughs> um, so he's, you know, he's he loves being vegan and he's already like gets the, the idea of the ethics and, you know, he's a, he's a kind little chap, he totally gets it but um, like any four-year-old, whether they're vegan or not, he uh, is a fussy little chap sometimes, uh, and is only into certain things. And that th- this recipe book, unlike I, I picked up many vegan cookbooks, and I thought this is awesome. Like it's definitely like healthy, nutritious, all this kind of thing. But there is no way on earth if I put that in front of him, he's he's we're not going to have a battle to get into to eat <laughs> it. It really struck me like we're going through your book. There's so many options f- that w- that weren't restrictive that weren't kind of the classic whole food plant-based like almost quite the the pious vegan option if you like there's a lot of um whether it's waffles pancakes um there's so many options the pizza bagels like were a standout there's so many kind of cool options that i think that don't strike me as restrictive was that something super
1: important to you as well Absolutely. It may be surprising for you and your audience to learn that my audience at Plant-Based on a Budget is primarily non-vegetarian. About 65% Mm. of people, according to a survey that I've done uh, in the past, are still eating meat, but they want to incorporate more plant-based dishes into their lives. And, And so I work with people who have a all very, very different types of palates. Who may be eating McDonald's for lunch and then eating a fully plant-based dinner from plant-based on a budget at nighttime. And I want to make sure oh that whether you're eating a whole foods plant-based diet with no oil or salt or sugar, or if you're on the other side of the spectrum where you ate that burger for for lunch and now you're eating a plant-based meal for dinner, that you're going to enjoy. The food. So the way I've done that in my cookbook is, I create a list of ingredients that are very basic. They're going to be the most affordable mm-hmm. way to make this recipe. They're they're again basic, but um, will taste good. Then I have optional ingredients. That's um, more spice, more. Um, herbs, things like that, that will enhance the meal. And salt is always to taste. I work with 100 recipe testers on all my books. And that is something that people do not agree on at all. You can have the same recipe tested and one person will say, this has not enough salt. And the other person will say, this is too salty. (laughs) So, uh, that is always up to the, the cook, but I want people to use my recipes as a guide in the same way I learned how to cook. I learned how to cook from cookbooks and I would check them out from the library and I... At the time, didn't have very much money, so I would make a couple recipes from them before I decided to invest in one. And I, um, if I really liked just one recipe, I would photocopy it and write all over the photocopied version of all the ways I modified it based on what was more affordable at the grocery store and based on what ingredients I had on hand if I had to do any swaps so that I remembered what tasted good. And I want people to use my cookbooks in the same exact way. I actually leave room in the cookbook. It's called My Tips and there are some blank lines for people to write in how Uh, They made it for their children and their children liked it. Like maybe your kid has a specific preference and you know, if you add this thing, nutritional yeast or vegan cheese or whatever, your kid is going to love it. Uh, And you can make that note that that's how you got your kid to eat the whatever vegetable dish.
0: (laughs) You, when you said that he was like you're talking directly to to me and my family the, the <laughs> nutritional yeast aspect like that's basically he'd put it on anything if he could. That's his. That's his. That's his vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds
1: like my kind of, husband too.
0: I <laughs> kind of make something taste kind of cheesy uh, mm-hmm. when it's not. So, so yeah, I, I love that. What, what a great idea! Um, cool. So it, it would be awesome to, to talk about your podcast because I, I I love the show. I think it's amazing. The guest list is incredible. The the subject matters are always like on point for me. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that that amazing show that you've got with uh, Michelle, how it's going, where did it come from, and how you've built it to the incredible place it is now.
1: Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. I uh, I wanted to start a podcast for a really long time, and I don't know that we mentioned this on uh, the, the last episode where I was on your show with Michelle, but... My relationship with Michelle has always been one where she has been hesitant, and I have been really persistent. (laughs) Uh, Even in the very beginning of our friendship, when I met her, I wanted to be friends. I felt like she was this radiant person who had a beautiful personality and was so friendly and uh, also was vegan, compassionate, all of the things that I wanted in my life. And so I reached out to her and I said, hi, hi. I was wondering if you would like to go have a vegan meal with me sometime. I can come out to Oakland. That's about an hour and a half from where I live. Uh, I can come out and we can hang out and it'll be so fun. And she said, well... That sounds really nice, but I'm actually really busy. I just started my brand World of Vegan and I'm super focused and committed to spending all of my time and energy focusing on that. So, thank you, but no thank you. And uh and so I uh I stayed persistent and I told her, "Okay, look, what if we hang out and create content?" for your brand. We can do restaurant (laughs) reviews, we can do videos and that's how we started our friendship. And so the podcast was very similar in the fact that I wanted to start the podcast and she was hesitant and it took me quite a while. And I remember exactly, we we had just gone down to LA for Expo West and also it was for the premiere of What the Health. And um, on that On that trip, we also interviewed Moby and it was, uh, for her YouTube channel, not for a podcast, but she was so inspired by all of it, by watching the premiere of what the health and seeing what interview can do, uh, to change people's lives. And then from interviewing Moby and learning his story in depth, and she was in the car. And she said, you know what? Okay, let's do it. And I had spent a year trying to convince her. Uh, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Let's do it. And um, we started with just the two of us. It was a podcast originally about how we all have challenges. Um, some include maybe you're married to a non vegan person, or your kids are not on board, maybe they're a little bit older and they give you a really hard time, or um, you work at a restaurant that serves meat. There are so many obstacles that people can face, and Michelle and I don't have the all of the experiences or all the answers, so we would bring people on to answer those questions, and that's how it started. And uh, we have learned so much. I'm sure, Jim, you experienced the same thing. But like when you go back and listen to those first episodes, you kind of sort of cringe because yep. of how <laughs> you've grown over over the time. And Michelle and I have really grown. As podcasters, we uh, communicate better. We allow each other to finish each other's sentences. <laughs> uh, we don't interrupt or laugh too loud. It's, it's just more professional. And I appreciate the way we have grown together and learned to support each other and give each other the space to ask questions and to interview the people that we are passionate about interviewing. And the pandemic changed the way we did everything. We used to record in person, and then it forced us to go solo. We were really only doing interviews where we chatted with each other, and then we ran out of topics. So we were like, okay, (laughs) we need to pivot. And that's when we started reaching out to people uh, in the vegan space and in different Categories like health and wellness, fitness, um, medical, etc. And that's where we currently are now. We're talking to experts in their fields who have deeply, thoroughly studied one subject and having them break it down for us. And we learn so much. Even though I've been vegan for 16 years now, I walk away feeling so inspired and so. Full of knowledge that I didn't have just moments ago.
0: I was going to ask that because, like, as a as a podcaster myself and one who who does an interview show, every episode is like a learning experience. And like, it was a hundred and. 75-ish deep now of conversations Ooh. and 100% I li- listen back to the first few and uh, yeah, I'll definitely get the, the, the cringe as <laughs> um, some of the questions I was asking uh, as well as obviously like the way it was made and all the rest of it but you know, you, you, you live and you learn um, and you you build things in public now, that's, that's fine um, but uh, uh, there's still uh, like exact quotes I can remember from uh, episodes like even from episode one through to, to through to now that have shaped my kind of view of veganism, of the community, of uh, the way I maybe the way I eat, the way I see things ethically, my environmental perception—you know—all all kinds of different things have been shaped because of the people I've spoken to, and it sounds like you know you and Michelle are on a similar you know, on the exact same journey, really, in terms of, like, everybody you speak to. Is, is there any that have really kind of stood out, you know, when you think back, uh, some of the people you've spoken to, and, the, like, the the list is, like I say, incredible, who you've, uh, yeah. who you've spoken to. Are there any that really stand out and you thought, oh, my God, that has really shifted the world on its axis for me?
1: I have been really inspired by some of the health uh, health interviews. I am an ethical vegan and I started out as an ethical vegan. So uh, I have not known or looked into as thoroughly the health um, benefits. I know that they exist. I've experienced them myself, but it's not been the passion for me. I came from the animal welfare nonprofit world before working on plant-based on a budget. So uh, I'm very well versed in that in that area, so learning more information on the long term health benefits and the longevity benefits of eating a plant based diet have been really really incredible. And there's one episode that I'm looking forward to. It's not yet out, but it's with um, Drs. Dean and Aisha Shirzai about. Um, Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's has run in my family. My grandma had dementia and it really ate away at her and to learn more about it and to understand how the brain works was really incredible. And then also another one was with, uh, i actually did two episodes with Dr. Will Bolswitz from the fiber fuel, um, Fiber fueled cookbook and fiber fueled book, and those were f- fascinating to me. I'm a big, well, I don't say lover, but I'm a big, uh, I'm a big nerd about learning about <laughs> digestion and talking in depth about how food impacts the gut was so cool.
0: Yeah, like, uh, well, I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Like, for me. I I mean, I I remember thinking when I turned vegan, I'll probably like keel over at some point, Uh, but it's fine because, you know, like at least I'll know I did the right thing, you know, Um, and I, I was kind of like happy with that. <laughs> to some extent, um, and I felt some health benefits, sure. I lost some weight at the beginning and etc etc Um, but I, you know, I managed to put it all back on and find all the vegan cake, and you know, it's all, it's all fine. I'm probably like, well, I'd say I'm, I'm st- statistically healthier than I was before, definitely. Um, you know, blood pressure and, and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, it's never been a concern for me. But when I when I listen to some of your episodes, it it does it has made me think about that, particularly the health based ones. And I, the one that sort of stood out for me recently was uh, the Doug Evans episode talking mm. about sprouting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and just like the the concentration of like nutrients when you're when you're eating foods that are. Um, and i guess this is to some people may hear me say that and say well that's a bit contrary to the whole plant based on a budget quick and easy kind of vibe <laughs> um but th- but this is like a, another just another angle i guess like uh, to to thinking about your nutrition and this, the sprouting aspect like really really struck me and you know how how much um is potentially lost like nutritionally when we when we kind of have uh, fully grown vegetables and then we cook them and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that episode just really like, it really resonated.
1: Yeah. And Doug asserts that it is the most affordable and nutritious way we can be eating. And we actually sprout at home, um, looking over at our sprouts. My husband is a big time sprouter, actually inspired by Doug Evans. And he, uh, what we do is take we'll say lentils from the grocery store and rinse them under the water, uh, under the faucet. And uh, then he soaks them. Then he starts the sprouting process, which is pretty simple. He has one of those little jars. I think the jars were the only upfront investment. And I think he spent about 20 bucks. Uh, But they are very expensive to purchase at the grocery store. Very inexpensive to grow them yourself at home they take no space at all it's it's about taking a a glass and keeping it on your um like counter so it takes up no space it's very affordable and highly nutritious
0: i love that Well, absolutely top tip like so, don't don't think of them as something you need to go to the, right. the grocery store and spend a fortune exactly. on. Like, like, yeah, learn to sprout. <laughs> I and love he,
1: it. He sprouts all kinds of things. He's always trying something new. I like to get different grains and different um, uh, legumes at the grocery store, uh, dried. And my husband. We'll just try and see if it works. Sometimes it doesn't sprout easily or nicely, but most of the time it does. It's really cool.
0: I love it. It's almost like... Um... A, a sort of vegan craft beer like it strikes me like that kind of like vibe of like I'm going to you know the DIY nature of it like <laughs> the, the experimentation of it like I can imagine getting really in the weeds of uh, pardon the pun but really in the weeds of sprouting like <laughs> getting a bit obsessive over it I think I might just do that.
1: <laughs> he's, he's really into it and he is um, I would say a big my, my husband uh, is a big uh, cheerleader for anyone who wants to do it, especially for digestion reasons. Yeah, it I'm, helps with I'm, digestion.
0: Uh, I'm, I can see a club forming of uh, <laughs> s- sprouters across the world. I love it. That's was very cool. <laughs> very cool. Turning back to the book, is there was there any recipe that was that was tricky to get right? Because I'd imagine, it, in a sort of strange way, well, not even a strange way, just it, I'd imagine that. Um, making making a recipe devising a recipe like for me certainly would be incredibly difficult in the first place then trying to add in the the elements of it needs to be super easy and it needs to be super cheap and and quick and so on those elements added add potentially in the division of the recipe at least some complexity was there any that that really kind of stood out for you as they were tricky to get right but once I got right I'm super proud of them
1: Yes, there's one that was really hard and it went back to the drawing board many times in my kitchen before it made it to the recipe testers. And that was the, uh, it's in the casserole section. It's like a a rice dish where you start the casserole with dried rice and then it cooks while it's baking. And it was very hard for me to get that right Uh, and it took a lot of tries for me to get the oven temperature correct but for the most part I feel like the real test is not in my kitchen, but how it goes once it leaves my kitchen into the recipe tester's kitchens. Because as I mentioned earlier, I work with a hundred people and each recipe is tested five times. And each of those people is very extremely diverse. They have different levels of cooking experience. They live in different places, some rural, some big cities, some not near a grocery store, some have children, some don't eat oil, some eat everything. And so everyone is so different and the recipe has to leave my kitchen and then go to someone's house who may never even cook. So they have to be able to figure out how to uh, do all the grocery store shopping, make sure that it's very convenient to them, and then make sure that they and their family enjoy it. So that's the hard part, especially when little kids are involved and providing their opinions as well. So some people have like, this is my feedback. This is my kid's feedback.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I can see, I can see mine now being, uh, can we add more nutritional yeast. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. What, what a great process as well, like to, to get that many people involved. And I love the idea of them being from different backgrounds and with different availability because that that's, that really sh- strikes me as well as like, um, you know, if I'm thinking about objections people have often to kind of eating plant-based, you know, becoming vegan is their accessibility to food. And so thinking about that, you know, from, from the in the division of the book, I think is, you know, just incredible and and really like another level of thought that's gone into it.
1: Thank you. I had uh, people not only from the United States, but in other countries as well. And I think that that's also important if you have a book that's internationally shipped, because in different parts of the world, they have different ingredients. So to be able to swap things out and to know that it worked or that um, the measurements were okay is also good
0: yeah definitely it's like um you know it, it strikes me the recipes don't you know really think about them as customizable don't and, and they've been built like that to, mm-hmm. to not be thought of as like rigid you have if you don't follow this exactly what it says it won't work like it doesn't strike me like that at all it's like the complete opposite of you know wherever you are whatever your budget is whatever ingredients you like or don't like experiment have fun chop and change you'll find the right thing I, i love that that philosophy being sort of baked into it
1: Exactly. I tried to do that in a lot of different places as well. So I put in swaps that you can make if you don't have something uh, that we have. And I know it's a little harder to find in other places. I tried to write in the swap. I know not everyone is super comfortable in the kitchen playing with their food just yet. There was a time that I felt the same way too, because I didn't grow up cooking. Uh, So this was something I learned in my adult life. And it takes a little while to build that confidence in the kitchen to figure out what spices pair well. And if anyone is listening and is just starting to learn how to cook and to pair different spices, make sure that you're just taking a little portion of your meal before you heavily spice it on your own. Just like sprinkle a little bit into a little dish so that you don't ruin the whole meal just in case it tastes funky with whatever you're spicing it with.
0: Love that top tip. <laughs> I, I've uh, I've definitely done that myself. Uh, not uh, the opposite of that. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've gone uh, all in on something and then We've thought, yeah, you know, I, I, I love this spice, and then yeah, it's gone horribly wrong. So <laughs> I love that idea. Love it. Love it. Um, is there a recipe that, if you was to say to somebody, you know, you've picked, they've picked up the book today, and they, you know, they they've just opened it up, what would be the one that you'd say? You have to try this one first, and to get them hooked.
1: I'm really liking the uh, chili cornbread casserole right now. It is uh, basically a chili on the bottom, and then you pour the batter of the cat of the cornbread on top and then you bake it. And that's really tasty. Uh, It is also very hearty. And what I love to do when I'm cooking is always think about lunches for the rest of the week. So if I'm putting in the effort, I want to make sure that tomorrow for lunch, my husband and I are not worrying about what we're eating. So... Um, the casserole section is one of my favorites. Uh, another dish that I really love is the sopa de fideo. It's like a pas- a soupy pasta. Uh, you use noodles that are basically angel hair broken up in a tomato base. And it's got zucchini and black beans, onions, garlic, and like a vegetable broth. And it's very, very tasty and also comforting. And it's something that I grew up eating. And when I eat it, I'm not sure, Jim, if you have anything like this, but you eat it and it kind of transports you back into your childhood. And it's just so comforting and warm and cozy. And that's that for me.
0: Yeah, oh, 100%. I love, I'm love. i so hungry now. About these, these recipes are awesome. That cornbread one, like, oh, my God, I have to try that. That it's sounds incredible. <laughs> sounds incredible. So, um, Tony, it's been amazing chatting with you. Where would folks go about finding a, a copy of the book? And I thoroughly recommend they do find one. But where would they go?
1: You can go to plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com. Thank you.
0: Incredible. Awesome. We'll I'll put a link in the show notes. So head into there uh, and pick up a copy of the book. Definitely would recommend it. There's so much to try in there um, and super quick, super easy and also on a budget. So I, I love it. Thank you so much, Tony. It's been awesome chatting.
1: Thank you, Jim. Nice chatting with you again. <laughs>